This morning, we are beginning a new series, and the series is called Impact. And what we're talking about in this series is really the, the, a universal question that you have probably asked. If you have not asked this question in the past, you will probably ask it in the future, or maybe even now you're thinking through this very question of what impact am I making in this world? Another way of saying it is, am I actually making a difference? When I leave this world, is it going to be better than I found it? Maybe a, a better way of saying, am I making an impact? Because some of you are making an impact, but is it a positive impact? Like some of you may be making an impact, but let us specify or clarify, we want to make a positive impact in this world. I want to make not just an impact that impacts today, I want to make an impact, and probably you do too, as something that's going to be eternal, something that's going to last far longer than the 70, 80, or 90, or 100 years you live here on earth. And this morning, I do not have a long message to give you, so I'm going to break this down into two sections. The first section is we're going to set a foundation for worldwide missions. Our theme for this series is impact, and what we're talking about is what Dwayne mentioned earlier about with the faith promise. Our church this year has already given over and above our regular tithes and offerings. We've given over $42,000 to world missions. Jim spoke about what's taking place in Vanuatu. Our church heavily supports Jeremy and Liz Pinero every single month. And we, we pray for them. We send out their letters. We ask for you to join us in prayer. We financially support them. And as you saw those pictures on the screen of those faces, quite literally, we have had a financial and a prayerful part in that ministry. They also have an opportunity on the island, on island of called Ambe, which has a volcano that's erupting, and the entire island has been condemned. So literally every single person on this island of Ambe has been taken, and the refugees spread throughout Vanuatu. Several hundred of them are on the property at Luganville Baptist Church, which is Jeremy and Liz Pinero's, uh, Jeremy pastors. Our church, at the end of last year, sent $20,000 over and above the normal giving in order to help those refugees, and many of them, their lives are changed. And you can imagine... Your entire life, it doesn't matter if, if you're used to living in a hut or used to living in a house, your entire life has been taken away from you and now you're in a new place with literally the, the clothes on your back. We have an opportunity to help people not just in practical terms, but also in spiritual terms, making an impact through our faith promise giving. And I'm not going to give you a hard sell because I'm a really bad used car salesman. But what I will tell you is that in my life, when I simply say, God, what impact do you want me to make? What opportunities do you want to open up for me? And in a practical way with our financial giving over and above our regular giving with faith promise missions, it simply is the question is, God, by faith, what do you want me to give in the next 12 months for world missions? And I want you to pray about that. In fact, you're welcome to hand them back through the offering bags at any time, but I would encourage you to hold on to it and spend some time in prayer. Don't make it emotional and say, God, what do you want me to do for world missions? And quite honestly, I don't want you to give $1 more, but the same time is I don't want you to give $1 less than what God tells you to give. And that's an encouragement because I found in my life when God tells me to do something and I do it, the results are absolutely tremendous. We want to live 
a positive impact. There was an English missionary to China, India, and also to Africa named C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd is a, was a famous cricketer in the mid-1800s. In fact, he was a cricketer that was one of the people that played in the very first Ashes. And if you're from England, Australia won the very first Ashes. And he became a missionary afterwards, gave away all the fame and the glory of, of cricket, and he became a missionary. And he said this in a poem that he wrote. It's a poem called Only One Life. And it goes through a number of different scenarios. At the end of every stanza, he says this line, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I've certainly seen that in my life. Things that I loved, like when I was 12 years old, I got a Reebok t-shirt. And that's when Reebok was cool. And it was a Reebok t-shirt, and it was blue, and it was so soft and comfortable. And you know what's sad is? I have no idea where that t-shirt is anymore. I love that t-shirt. I wore it all the time. The problem is I grew, and it got tattery, and somehow it disappeared. And that's a silly, silly illustration. But you know what's amazing is so often we look at things and we go, that's going to last forever because I love it. It's tremendous. It's my favorite shirt. And then years later you go, that old thing? Or you look back on your photos from those of you around in the 60s, and you look at yourself in the 60s and you go, there's no way I want to go back to fashion of the 60s again. Like, <laughs> otherwise, you look at yourself and go, I look good. We want to leave a positive impact in this world. I'm going to make a couple foundational points, and we're going to read some scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew chapter 22, we see what Jesus refers to as the great commandment. And it says this, Jesus was questioned, and he comes up with a statement. Ultimately, it is love God, love others. It says this on the screen. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus himself sets a foundation. And I believe very firmly that in order for you and I to make a positive, eternal, lasting impact in this world, we have to look to the one who gives us eternity. That's Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? How can we make an impact? He says here, love God, love others. And then he becomes more specific in the very end of the book of Matthew. Turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 28. It was already read once today. And we see a wonderful outline for evangelism. This is the very end of the book. The very last words are recorded in the book of Matthew that Jesus says himself. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You notice I underlined the word go. Also underlined the word baptizing and underlined the word teaching. It says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The outline that Jesus himself gives for you and for me, and this is really the commission for the local church, our role as a goal as a church is to go, tell, tell people the good news, baptizing them, in other words, helping them know what they believed and they can publicly profess that, and then also teaching, teaching them the truth of the word of God. What does God's word say so we can live and be who God created us to be? 
The question is, as a local church, if those are the things, we're to love God, love others, we're to go, baptize, and teach, those are key words for us as a local church. And if Jesus himself says that, maybe, and I say yes, but maybe you and I as a local church, that's exactly what we are called to do. There are literally billions of people around the world that are going through the motions of life day after day, year after year, going from being young to growing old. In the course of their lives, they don't know that there's a God that loves them. That's why we're called to go into the world to tell people good news. And Jesus gives us in the book of Acts, book of Matthew, turn over several books to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus gives us the strength behind. Because you ever been told to do something and felt like you were all by yourself? You were given a task or a role by a boss or a teacher, and, and they came back and said, I have no idea how to do that. Well, you look at this, love God, love others. Honestly, that's a struggle. Some of you are easier than others, but some of you were a real struggle. And then we look at the scripture that says, go into all the world. And we look at that and go, but the world is so big. How are we going to be teaching them? How are we going to be baptizing them? How are we going to do it? According to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, this is Jesus talking. And this is quite literally the very last words that he spoke before he left the earth, before his disciples. And he's talking to his inner core, his 12 disciples, and through that, he's talking to you and to me. But you will receive power. That's how we're to go. That's how we're to love God and others. How we have power? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. To give you perspective, Jerusalem was where they were, basically locally, nationally, and internationally. It says, Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But it begins with, how are we going to be witnesses without the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit? That's when I talked earlier and I said, when, before you fill out a faith promise missions commitment for the next year, you stop and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit will do what he promises to do, and he will answer you, and he will give you direction. And he will give you the, what you need to do in your life. And something that's incredible, I want to just take just a moment and think through this. What God asks the person sitting next to you is not exactly the same as what he, may he ask you. And oftentimes I look around and go, but he gave that person so many talents, so many abilities, so many opportunities, and he's given me just this. Thank God for what he's given you just this. And say, God, thank you for what you've given me, the opportunities that you've given me. And not worrying about what the opportunities and the blessings he's given somebody else. Because I believe that we as a church, we must care for what God cares for. That must be a transformational aspect of our lives. That we as a church must care for what and who God cares for. I'm going to read one more scripture, then we're going to get into some application for us. And, and what it looks like. In Romans chapter number 10, verses 14 through 15. A little side note with this. Some of you, or some of, I mean, this is just generally, if you ever really wanted good feet, in fact, feet that would be described as beautiful feet, the Apostle Paul addresses this. And he lays out 
uh, a way that we can make a biblical impact in our world. And we're going to begin with just the first part, but this is, he goes backwards. He starts off with the goal, and then he ends up with the beginning point. So we're working backwards through the scripture. And it says, how then, talking about people, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they, they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and here's the beautiful part, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So if you want some good feet, it's not a, it's, this is not a, like a beauty, beauty routine for you. But it's go out and preach the good news. And he says, the feet of, your feet are beautiful. And what it lays out there is an order for world evangelism. We absolutely want to make an impact in this world. The result of that is that people call upon the name of the Lord. They have their sins forgiven by God. They are becoming new creatures in Christ. They're being made new. They have life not just for now, but for eternity in heaven. That's the goal. But how do we get there? Well, according to this, we see that first and foremost, somebody has to be sent. And after they sent, they have to preach. The word preach is not just what I do. It simply is a word that means to proclaim, to share truth. You are sent, you preach, someone has to hear. This is the old thing of if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it really make a noise? If you preach and no one hears, are you really preaching? So when you preach, someone hears, and when they hear the good news, they have the opportunity to believe that, and when they believe it, they turn from that to calling upon the name of the Lord. And you look at that as an order, and it begins with going right back to the beginning of someone being sent. All of the previous part was introduction, setting us up for that very word. The fact that God is the one who does the sending. And when God does the sending, although it will be scary, although it will be something far beyond your natural ability, He will be the one who will equip you. He will be the one to develop you. And that's how our world is going to be changed. And it happens through individual people. Every single one of us is created with a purpose and with a calling or being ascending that God gives us. Every single week we have a principle, and the principle for this week is this. For God to make an impact on this world through me, I must first be sent by God. So don't say, I want to make an impact for this world, but I'm not going to move. In order to be, make an impact in this world, God has to do some sending. In the last couple of weeks, I've had a number of really positive meetings. Uh, and the meetings that, honestly, I haven't even initiated, because sometimes I'm always asking, you want to go to coffee? Can you meet up with me? But these meetings have been meetings that have been initiated by other people. In our community in Dialup specifically, uh, there is a, a consultancy firm that is asking um, through the state government, through the Department of Communities, uh, what our community in dial-up needs. And they start interviewing a bunch of people. Maybe you were at the shop and you met with someone from the Bank of Ideas, and they were filling out surveys. And I sat down with um, the 
I guess the, the, the boss of the consultancy firm, a man named Peter Kennan. And I met with he and his offsider over several hours. And he made this statement. Now, Peter is a Christian man. And he was making this about communities as a whole. But I can see it relating to our own, even our own local church. And he made this statement. It's on the screen. Most of our communities are made up of spectators, made up of inhabitants and residents who have given up involvement in community. And of course, being a consultant, that's his job, is to build and develop community. But that first line is, most of our communities are made up of spectators. I'm not thinking of anyone individually, but as a whole, how often do we find ourselves being a spectator of the things of God, and we really need to be participants? Peter tells another story. I had to give credit because I didn't make this one up. Uh, about football, AFL football, you had 60,000 people at Optus Stadium watching the football last night, and it was a good win. You have 60,000 people watching 36 men. And the thing is, you have 60,000 people who need exercise watching 36 men who really don't need exercise. And the illustration there about just being a spectator is that it's fun to be a spectator for a while, but after a while, you really want to get out there and play the game. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to focus upon what God and Jesus Christ himself has told us to do. Love God, love others. Go, baptize, teach, have the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be witnesses but in our community here and ultimately our nation and around the world. And we begins by being sent. To give you a little bit of very quick background, if you have your Bibles, go to the book of Exodus. Exodus is right near the beginning of the Bible. Exodus chapter number 3. Put you in the time frame. This man named Moses. Moses becomes later on the leader of the nation of Israel. He's not a young man. He's actually about 80 years old. The first 40 years of his life, he is an Israelite born into slavery, but because of a turn of events and that he was hidden in bulrushes and found by the princess, ended up growing up for the first 40 years of his life as a prince of Egypt, enjoying all the comforts of Egypt. He took things and matters into his own hands, trying to defend the, the Israelite people, and ended up killing a, an Egyptian soldier, hiding the body and running away as a result into the wilderness. The next 40 years of his life, he quite literally thinks, I am a nobody. I am now a shepherd, tending my father-in-law's sheep. It's amazing. He's still working for his father-in-law. He's 80 years old. And he's there, and quite, I can imagine him thinking, nobody knows about me. Nobody thinks about me. I've been here for 40 years in the wilderness. The nation of Israel, for hundreds of years previous, were slaves in Egypt, and they remained slaves in Egypt. And they were crying out to God, saying, God, will you please deliver us? And God says, yes. And he doesn't go to a mighty man of valor. He goes to a man who's been in hiding for the previous 40 years, a man named Moses. And he comes to him, and he speaks to Moses through a bush, quite literally known as the burning bush. There's a lot of imagination with the names. 
the bush was burning bush, and that's how God spoke to him. And he spoke to Moses, and he says in verse number 7, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them out of the hand, uh, sorry, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Go down to verse number ten. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Underline a number of words in those uh, passage there. Because what we see there is, even though Moses' circumstances were, and the way he was most likely thinking was, nobody knows about me, nobody hears our troubles, we're all alone. The children of Israel, as slaves in Egypt, nobody knows about us, nobody cares about us. And what do we see there? We see the fact that God sees, God hears, God knows, God comes, and ultimately, God sends. As far as you are and as lonely as you feel, we know that God still sees us and knows us. The previous series that we just finished was on foundations. We talked about some of the attributes of God. The fact that God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is eternal, has no beginning or end. And if God really is all-knowing and all-powerful and is eternal, we look at that and we think, therefore God must know our afflictions. He knows and our world is crying out. And He hears the crying out of our world around us and the suffering, not just in people in Vanuatu, but your neighbors. The people that on the outside look like everything is happy and smiley, but on the inside they're crying out for help in desperate need of help. God hears those prayers. And God hears those cries of desperation and he says, I'm going to send somebody. In this case, in the nation of Israel, he was sending Moses to take them out. Maybe for you and for me, we pray and we say, God, will you please do something? Will you please work on that person's life? Will you please um, share the good news with these people? And maybe it is God who says, I want to answer that prayer through you. The reason why that's a real key is it's so easy to pray prayers saying, God, will you please work in someone else's life so that they'll do something? It's so much more difficult and really in strength. It's a a lot harder to say, God, will you please use me? And when God does say, I want to use you for a specific task of a specific reason, I want you to give, I want you to go, I'm going to be sending you. I'm going to be equipping you. We must be ready and obedient to move forward and say, God, yes, I will do what you want me to do. I will be what you want me to be. It's certainly a privilege. You stop and think about it for a moment. The God, the creator of the universe, says he knows who you are. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And he has a wonderful free gift of salvation, bought, paid for, delivered, ready for you to receive. And he's sending people out to share that good news with people around the world. The problem is, God certainly has a plan, but I have my fears. That's the second point this morning is our fears. And Moses' very first response 
Now, you think for a moment, Moses is now observing a bush that is burning, and he's talking to God. And it's, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And God says, I hear the cries of my people, and I'm sending you to go and deliver my people. And Moses' first response is in verse 11. It says, but Moses said to God, he didn't say, wow, God, that's big or amazing or okay, God. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He's talking about missed opportunities. So instantly, we often become very humble when God has called us to do something that we feel we can't do. We have a lot of self-pride, and we think we can do a lot of things until God tells us, we, asks us to do something. All of a sudden, we go, oh, no, not me. I, I, I can't do that. One of my personal fears, and maybe it's, it's a fear for you, and it's actually a, a, a good fear because it drives us to do better, is that we will miss the opportunity when God calls us to do something and we'll delay it, or we'll push it to the side, or we'll say, I will do that later on when I can afford it. I'll do it later on when the kids are gone. I'll do it later on at another time, then I'll do it. And the missed opportunities. There's a funny video here, and in just a moment you're going to see. And I want you to think through this about being in the moment. Because how often times do we as husbands miss the moment? A man has ruined a weekend away with his girlfriend by saying what he was thinking. <laughs> Our reporter Emma Bradford is at the scene. Martin Bishop and Eleanor Shaw had stopped at a cosy country pub after a romantic walk when Ms Shaw looked up meaningfully at Bishop and asked what he was thinking at that very moment. <laughs> the weekend was about to go very wrong indeed. I was hoping he would say maybe this would be a, a great place to bring the kids one day <laughs> or even something corny but sweet like I have everything I'll ever need right here and what did you say Martin I said pigs are much bigger than you expect <laughs> one of them was so big you could ride it more from us later As a husband, I don't want to miss the moments. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't want to allow my fear to make me miss the moments that God has. Because quite literally, poor Martin in the video, you can't have the moment back. In many ways in God, he gives us second and third and fourth and fifth chances. But if we're quick to obey the first time, you imagine how different your life would be if when God prompted you in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit and says, I'm going to give you power and I want you to go and talk to these people. I want you to go use this opportunity. I want you to give. And you don't have the first response is, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources or, or whatever it is. Or I'm just afraid. And you say, yes, God, and you don't miss the moment. How different would our world be if we just took those opportunities and those moments? Because with that, we not only have God's plan, we have our fear. We also have God's promise. I have a very, very simple point to make with God's promise. It's not going to be long and drawn out because we've talked about this many times in the past. And I want to bring this to a, a point in, in, our, in our thinking is that God didn't say, you'll be all right. Just pull yourself up 
push and endure through. If you just keep working hard enough, keep pushing, eventually, Moses, you'll get it. He says there, my promise is, I will be with you. God himself says, Moses, I acknowledge that what you're going to do isn't in your ability. Moses has, has said, who am I? And in that one statement, who am I? Moses was saying, and maybe you do too, I don't have enough. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. Or whatever it is, not enough. And he says, God literally says, I agree. You don't have enough. That's why I'm going to have to be with you. Do you find that comforting? In this world, there's a lot of scary, scary things in this world. And God simply says, I'm going to send you to some scary places. I'm going to ask you to do some things that are far beyond your natural ability. But I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm not going to leave you alone. Jesus was comforting to his disciples and he said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to be turning my back on you. Our principle again for today is this. For God to make an impact on this world through me, I must first be sent by God. I want you to think for a few moments about being sent by God. For God to send you, that's pretty incredible. You stop and just break that down into the first part. Analyze it for a moment. God has a purpose for you if he's sending you. God has, he knows who you are. He knows your abilities. He knows your opportunities. And he says, I, can, I will come alongside you. I'll equip you. I'll empower you. I will give you just enough strength, just enough time to be the person that I want you to be and do the things that I want you to do. And that's where we will make a true and lasting impact in this world. To conclude this morning, I have three will you questions. And these three will you questions, I want you to answer for yourself or nothing else, mull them over. And don't quickly just say yes. Mull them over and think in your heart, is this truly what I want? Do I want to make an impact? And Am I making an impact in this world? The first will you question is, will you commit to ask God to make an impact through you? That's not an easy statement, actually. God, will you do something miraculous through me? Will you make an impact through me? Commit to do that. The second question is, will you be willing to allow God to send you? We say, God, will you make an impact through me, but leave me exactly the way you found me? Will you make an impact in the world around me through me? Will you let, make something eternal happen through me, but not send me? It doesn't make sense. Also, will you be willing to be sent by God? And the third is, don't delay. Will you start right now? In a moment, we're going to pray. And as we close in prayer, I want you to pray silently where you are in your minds. Maybe you need to start right now and say, God, where we are right now, will you make an impact through my life? Maybe that still small voice of the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you and some, an individual has been brought to your mind or an opportunity or in a financial amount for your faith promise missions giving for the next year. And you say, God, that's way more than I think I can afford. Is that really what you want? And to begin right now to say, God, what impact do you want to make through me in the next year? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you promised never to leave us. 
when you send us, you promise to be there right beside us every step of the way. Well, I thank you for that, because personally, I find that very comforting. You call us to do things that are far beyond our natural ability. But when you come along with us, we can truly make an impact. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to give you the glory and the praise when you do miraculous things in this world. And in Jesus' name, amen.